Pretty Dece, Pretty Dece, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. What's up, everybody? I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek. This is Pretty Dece, and hopefully everyone out there had a wonderfully fun and safe 4th of July if you are here in the in the States. And if you're not in the States, hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I had some time during this long weekend, uh, and I was fortunate enough to be able to spend it with my family and with my fiance's family as well. So we had a great four days filled with family and filled with games and filled with boating and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, so we're we're back home now, and we're very tired from all of the fun that we had. Uh, so ready to get back into the swing of things. And uh, to kick us back off into regularly scheduled Pretty Dece content, we have a call-in. Comes in from JT from the People's Paradise. And JT has some strong opinions about Pac-Man. Josh, my name is JT. I respect what you're doing. I think you're a wise young man. Obviously, you have some experience with radio because your presentation skills are impeccable. Now, with that being said, I don't know anybody under the age of 62 who is happy who is really happy and ecstatic and just over over the top, over the sun, just grinning with joy to be able to play Pac-Man on Switch. I don't think anybody who's ever experienced video games, the quality of video games past 1993, I don't think anybody wants to play Pac-Man. I'll tell everybody this about Pac-Man. It was okay. Pac-Man, I don't even... Pac, to me, I don't understand. Pac-Man sucked when Pac-Man came out. Like, I don't get... I don't know. It is different for me because I have a very different perspective on video games. I would love to talk to you about this, actually. JT, thanks so much for the call-in. First of all, I would love to hear more about your perspective on video games. Uh, I, I love your call-ins when you send them in, and, and uh, you know, I love to hear what you think about games, for sure. So feel free, uh, share them with me more. That, that sounds awesome. And, and I definitely agree with you on Pac-Man. You know, I think Pac- Well, okay, let, let me take a step back. You, I like that you started out and you were trying to be very diplomatic about Pac-Man, but then we found out you just think Pac-Man sucks. <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, I, I, I don't think I go that far. I don't, I don't think Pac-Man sucks. I think Pac-Man is a very fun game. You know, if I'm in a retro arcade, Pac-Man is going to be the game that I probably want to be playing more than the others. That being said, on a modern console where there's tons of other brand new games to play, I'm probably not going to be gravitating towards playing Pac-Man that much, and I'm also not going to be that excited about Pac-Man coming to a modern console. That's true about all the games on this uh, Namco collection that is coming to the Switch, which is why this Pac-Man conversation has, has come up. However, the specific version of Pac-Man that I am excited about is Pac-Man Versus. Pac-Man Versus takes the regular gameplay of Pac-Man and turns it into like the, uh, this crazy four-player thing that when you're actually playing it is actually like way different than regular Pac-Man. So like your friends are the ghosts and like they're controlling ghosts themselves trying to come after Pac-Man. Pac-Man is trying to basically play a way harder version of Pac-Man than normal where the ghosts are like way smarter behaving way more erratically and then of course when you eat them you get to scream at your friend that you actually eat them and that's way more fun so normal pac-man yeah who cares like there's way way more things to be excited about coming out on the switch than anything namco is putting out in a classic collection you know all of those types of collections are kind of kind of like weird bait and switches right like they're they're names that get you excited you're like oh my gosh pac-man 
and then you put it in, you play it one time, you realize that you've played enough Pac-Man in your life, and you never need to put it in again. Like, you end up just kind of wasting money when you buy those classic collections, for the most part. However, I think there is enough there on Pac-Man Versus that if you have the ability to play it, I think it's still exciting and fun to do, just because it is like a really awesome, really fun four-player game. So if you have two Switches or you and a friend have a Switch, you have, you know, three other buddies that you can get together, you can recreate that setup, Pac-Man Versus is going to be way more fun than you could ever have with with base Pac-Man, regular Pac-Man from the 80s. Um, you know, it's it's more along the lines of a modern couch co-op game. So something like Towerfall or Nidhogg even, something that is going to be very fast-paced. You're able to scream and yell at your friends about when they beat you or when you beat them, and you're going to have a really fun time like that. So yeah, for sure, re- regular Pac-Man, no one is excited. I think there is a little bit of reason to be excited about Pac-Man versus and, and definitely for the most part, these classic collections that get just shoveled onto a new console whenever a new console comes out, you see it every single generation, uh, are typically not things to be excited about. I do like them when they add extra content, when they do weird unreleased versions of games, things like that, but for the most part, it's these companies looking to make a quick buck because these are really easy products to put together and they're just trying to get something out the door while they're working on their actual big real game. So most of the time they're, they're, they are things to be skipped and you can skip over them. Uh, but yeah, JT, thanks for the call and thanks for giving us your opinion about Pac-Man. Definitely please call in more about your perspective on video games. I would love to hear them. Thanks. What's up, everybody? I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek. This is Pretty Dece. And would you like to own an iconic piece of movie history? Well, it'll only cost you about $2.75 million dollars. That is, if you want to own an R2-D2. Recently, this past week in California, an auction house uh, known as Profiles in History had an auction for some awesome movie memorabilia, and they sold some interesting Star Wars items, one of which was an R2-D2. Now, this R2-D2 was actually assembled from parts that were used during the filming of the original trilogy and episodes one and two. So it seems like this wasn't even like a full completed R2 like that you can point to and say, okay, that's the R2 that I bought from the movie. This is just parts and pieces they've they've assembled, they've like pieced together this R2 unit from parts that probably did appear in the movie, but you know, it's not like a whole unit. Um, so this, you know, kind of piecemeal R2-D2 that actually was film used pieces sold it was in a private collection we're not really sure who bought it but it went for 2.75 million (laughs) dollars just let that sink in for a second that is a ridiculous amount of money to spend on you know what is some some like really just some metal slapped together but you know you're owning a piece of history so like yeah if you've got the money you've got that million to flaunt why not buy yourself an r2d2 at the same time in this auction, uh, one of Luke Skywalker's lightsabers was sold for somewhere around $400,000, like $390,000. So compared to, R2, R2, compared to R2, the lightsaber was an absolute steal. Um, the, the lightsaber actually, for me, I think the lightsaber sounds a lot cooler. It was actually a lightsaber that was used by Mark Hamill in both Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, previously, it was owned by Gary Kurtz. He was the producer of those two movies. And it was actually bought, we know, by Ripley's Believe It or Not. So it'll, it'll be on display with all of their other Star Wars items. So you'll actually be able to go and see that lightsaber. So, you know, 
$400,000 for a lightsaber, 2.75 million for an R2-D2. Uh, you know, Star Wars is big if you needed anyone to tell you that. Um, this is the perfect indication of that right here. You know, people who grew up watching Star Wars, they're now, some of them are, you know, older and, and multi-millionaires. And, and if they want an R2 unit to drive around their house and deliver them beverages, well, by golly, they can do that. And they can do that for almost $3 million. So I'm personally not going to be buying any of those anytime soon, but it is at least an interesting thing to read about. <laughs>